Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Let me get this out of the way so I don't forget, but somebody reminded me because I do forget often. But not to forget about Wednesday night service this, this Wednesday night, second Wednesday of the month. We have service at 6.30. Tuesday night at 5. Every Tuesday night at 5, we have prayer meeting here if you want to come to that. If you don't know how to pray, more of a reason to come because you got some veterans that'll be here and they'll teach you how. Uh, that's how I learned. Still learning uh, from them. And the other thing is Project 25. If you don't know about that, I don't have time to explain it all. You can go to our app, Seven Mile Ministry app, and, uh, and listen to the couple of sermons there on Project 25. But basically what it is is what we do to help other people. And we start here and we work our way out. And what I mean by that is I'm not going to let somebody here in our church body uh, go without and feed somebody in another country. That would be like going down to Outback Steak and ordering a steak but leaving your children at home to eat uh, a pack of crackers. Um, I do that sometimes, so... You know, I do. I say, hey, y'all want to eat? You're going to go with us to eat? If you don't want to go with your mom and dad to eat, just stay here and fend for yourselves. The most time they get on in the car and go. But uh, anyway, that's what Project 25 is. You can go on our uh, app as well and see, see that and give to that. And um, we are focusing, our main focus is on Stuart. And now we have... Um, the girls and Coleman at the Cross Ministries, who we are uh, fixing to get get going and helping helping them out as well. Amen. So let's move forward. So uh, the title of today's sermon is "Make America Great Again." I don't know if you've ever heard that before. <laughs> Maybe a little late to use it, but it'll make sense to you here shortly. But "Make America Great," everybody knows Donald Trump. So let's make America great again. I'm all for it. Let's make America great again. Um, I, I, I do like Donald Trump. I voted for him. I support him. And uh, one of the biggest controversies you see that you've been seeing since the beginning is the wall. Building of the wall, right? That's what we're going to talk about today is building the wall, building the boundaries, uh, building something. But he, he wants to build, build a wall. And it's to keep things out and to keep things in. Amen? I know you're not supposed to talk about politics to church, but I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about common sense. We need a wall. Amen. Whether you uh, like the man or not, whether you hate him or love him, look around. People are working. Get up and go to Lowe's at 6 o'clock. think you're going to beat the crowd just to find out you're going to get in line. That's because people are working. But anyway, building a wall. He wants to build a wall. Like I said, to keep things out and for our protection, keep us in. And I, I have seen some things where people lash out and try to use the Bible to say, well, Jesus never turned anybody away. No, he didn't. But God did tell Nehemiah, Nehemiah build a wall back in Jerusalem. Why? Keep things out for your protection, to keep things in. Jesus never did turn anybody away. He didn't. But you know what? Um, 
just because you want in don't mean you're going to get in. Because there's going to be some people that really want to get in heaven. But they're not going to get into heaven unless they know Jesus Christ. Amen? So anyway, let's, let's look in the book of Exodus. I just wanted you to wrap your mind around uh, building a wall and, like I said, make America great. And how we can make America great is uh, focusing on ourselves, our lives, our walls, our boundaries, how we live, how we talk, how we act, and how we raise our children. And if every man and woman in America uh, put the Word of God first in their homes drew some boundaries and drew some lines and did not cross them, America would be great. But it's getting farther and further away from the truth, from the Word of God. Instead of it getting uh, incorporated into things, it starts getting left out. So, in Exodus, and I'm not going to read it all for the sake of time, I'm going to hit a few scriptures right here. In the 19th chapter, the 10th verse, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, um, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai on the side of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourself that you do not go up on the mountain and touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. But he tells him to go and set some bounds, to draw a line, basically, don't cross this line. In the 16th verse, Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountains. So, so God tells Moses to tell all the people to go wash up, get cleansed up, consecrate themselves, to get ready. Because the trumpet's going to sound, I'm going to come down the mountain, I want my people to be ready for me. To go wash themselves, cleanse themselves, consecrate themselves. It's a type and shadow of Jesus Christ who came and made us spotless, wrinklish, without blemish. That's what His blood did, Amen. Because we couldn't get ourselves ready. Jesus came and, uh, and died for us. Everybody here knows, knows that. But that's what that is. is a type and shadow saying, wash yourself, cleanse yourself, get ready. And he tells Moses, he said, set up some boundaries here. Because there's going to be a trumpet sound. And when the trumpet sounds, I'm coming down the mountain. And he says, to draw this line, to draw this line, these boundaries around this mountain, make sure the people don't cross the line. You need to be on this side of the boundary, on this side of the wall, on this side of the line. Make sure you're on this side of the line. Because if you're over here on this side of the line, even if you've got one little piggy in there, when the trumpet sounds and I come down the mountain, lest you'll die. You'll die. You'll lose your life if you're on the wrong side of this boundary, if you're on the wrong side of the line. There is a trumpet that's going to sound one day. And you need to get ready. Parents, you need to get ready. In 1 Thessalonians, it says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will first rise. They'll rise first. And then we all who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. In other words, there's a trumpet that's going to sound one day. One day. There's going to be a trumpet sounds. When the trumpet sounds, which side of the line are you going to be on? Because if, you got, if you're on the wrong side of the line, it's too late to get back on the right side of the line. So parents, I'm supposed to say, we need to wake up. 
Things that were going on when I was in school and in high school are now taking place in junior high school. And in a few more years, they're going to trickle on down to elementary school. When I was in high school, uh, you never heard of the things going on in junior high that are going on now. But they're going on, right? Kids are going hog wild. You know why? Because there's no lines. Parents haven't set up any boundaries. And these kids are on the wrong side of the line. Many parents are on the wrong side of the line. But the trumpet's going to sound one day. Go ahead and strap on your seatbelt because turbulent weather's coming today. It's too late after the trumpet sounds. It's too late to go back and say, I shouldn't have hung out with that crowd of people. What in the world was I doing listening to that music? What in the world was I doing looking at all the things I was looking at? I spent hours looking on the computer, pure filth. It's too late to go back to do that. It's too late to go back and change that. There's got to be some lines drawn, and they've got to be drawn right here and right now. And if you're on the wrong side of the barrier, you lose your life. And God didn't give Moses a GPS. He didn't give him GPS coordinates. He didn't give him a blueprint. He says, you go dig the holes, put a stake up, draw a line. Put it up. Put a line up for you, for the people. And Moses set these holes He set these lines, and guess what? God backed it up. God backed it up. The world is sleeping. The world we live in is, the the majority is on the wrong side of the line. And the world is sleeping. But guess what? One day, they're going to wake up. They're going to wake up to the blast of a trumpet. It's going to wake them right on up. But if they're on the wrong side of the line, it's too late. I know it's okay. God understands. He understands. I mean, I, I'm pretty good most of the time. And I just have this little area here, this little area there. I don't cross the line that often. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty good for the most part. I mean, God understands. No, that's not it. You say, well, what about grace? Well, what about it? if you understood grace... You wouldn't even be talking like that. Because grace changes you from the inside out. And it's not, uh, now I can do anything I want to do and get away with it. If you really understand and receive grace, now you don't want to do what you used to do. I don't want to cross the line. I've lived on the other side of the line. I've lived one leg in and one leg out. But now I understand grace and I understand forgiveness. I don't want to go back to where I came from. I want to stay over here. It's much better over here. I know the grass looks greener on the other side sometimes. But somebody else is over there just watering their grass more than you. We need barriers. There should be a difference between the clean and the unclean. He says, therefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 6, chapter 17th verse, we quote it all the time. Come out from among them and be separate, not go in amongst them and be the same. In other words, people should notice a difference. They should notice a difference between you and the world. The only difference between you and the world surely is not where you sit on Sunday morning for an hour and a half. It's the life you live away from here. And people should notice a difference. Moses was the lawgiver. He set up these laws, and you know what? I'm sure most of the people didn't like it. Most of them didn't like it. And as parents, you set up rules, 
put up barriers. Kids don't like it either. So Moses set up these, the law was given. Sure, the people didn't like it. But when the trumpet sounded, they liked it. Because they said, thank you, Moses, for keeping us on this side of the line. Thank you for the giving us this law and giving us this barrier. Thank you so much, Moses, that I'm on this side of the line. They liked it when the trumpet sounded. And preachers today, you may not like what preachers preach today, but they're just trying to keep you on this side of the barrier. They just want you to be on this side of the line when the trumpet sounds. And I know people stray away from preaching stuff that are hard messages because uh, you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or offend anybody. I'm more concerned with people going to heaven than I am their feelings. I'm more concerned with you going to heaven and living the life here on earth that God intended you to live than I am you getting mad and leaving and not throwing your money in the bucket. I want your heart, not your money. I want you to experience the life that God intended for us to have. And you're not going to experience it. You'll never experience it with one leg in, one leg out. I hear about all this partying and People sleeping around all the time, drinking, smoking. If God wanted you to smoke, he'd have put a chimney on your head. And I'm not saying smoking is going to send you to hell. You can still go to heaven. If you smoke, you're just going to smell like hell when you get there. I'm saying... I'm saying that's not the life that God intended. We're, We're clean. We have no business even participating in these things. There needs to be a difference. There needs to be a difference. I'm not just preaching against, to be preaching against it. Uh, Hebrews, the 13th chapter, 7th verse. Remember those who rule over you have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. In the 17th verse, obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch after your souls. I'm not just preaching against it to be preaching against it. I'm just saying we don't have any business doing those things or partaking in those things. Have absolutely no business in it. The barrier is for your protection. And it's to keep stuff out. When you, um, when you have no standards, you have no barrier, it means you have no standards. No standards, I mean, there's no morality. Like I said, the only difference between uh, many Christians and the world is... They sit in a church on Sunday morning. That, that, that ought not be so. Because the world sees you going out and drinking. And the world sees you going out and partying. And the world sees you going out and watching uh, TV programs or participating in different things, worldly things. They see you do that. But then, now, a Sunday morning and I'm going to go to church. They say, well, you're no different than we are except you go to church. That's why they say you're a hypocrite. Because you do what we do, but now on Sunday morning you Mr. or Mrs. Holy. They need to see different. They need to say, hey, that guy I used to hang out with, he used to drink, he used to smoke, and he used to party. I still hang out with him. Only now I'm drinking, I'm smoking, I'm partying, but he's not. There's something different about him. What's different is he found Jesus Christ, and now he's righteous, he's clean, so he doesn't partake of unrighteous and unclean things anymore. And they need to see something different in you. The world needs to see something different in us. They need to see a man and a woman that says, hey, here's my line. I can't cross it. I'm going to come over to your house this weekend to watch the ball game. And I know everybody's going to be drinking and smoking the devil's lettuce. Whatever it is. 
I'm coming to the game because y'all are my friends. But, but I can't cross this line right here. I cannot cross it. I will not cross it. I'm not going to cross it. Everybody else is crossing it. Red's not. I can't cross it. There's a country song that came out in high school that said, uh, if you don't stand up for something, you'll fall for anything. You've got to stand up for the Word of God, what you believe in. The world needs to see a difference. They need to see men and women Christians that have lines, have boundaries, and say we're not going to cross them. You know what? David wrote this psalm right here. He said, oh Lord, you're my, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. And this is the New King James. says, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Some translation says the boundaries. But the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. In other words, David's saying, God, you've drawn some boundaries. You've drawn some lines. But they have fallen to me in pleasant places. I know that these lines are for my good. Even though it looks enticing to cross the line. But you've drawn these lines for my good. For my benefit, that they're in pleasant places so that I'm on this side of the line when the trumpet sounds. Amen? And David knew a thing or two about crossing the line, didn't he? But he was quick to repent. He was a man after God's own heart. No boundaries, no standards. Yeah, I believe in grace, but I don't believe in greasy grace. Have you ever heard of Greasy Grace? Me either. This sounded good. We've got to protect our hearts. God told Adam, He said, He said, Name some things, name these animals, and, and keep these plants. In Genesis, He says, Name the animals and keep the plants. And as parents, there's some things we've got to name and some things we've got to keep. In other words, I'm going to name some things. This is what me and my family do. I'm going to name it. We go to church on Sunday mornings. We do this, we do that, we don't do. I'm going to name some things we don't do. And I'm going to keep it. There's some things I'm going to name and there's some things I got to, I'm going to keep. That's what, most, that's what God told Adam to do. Basically, he told him to put up some boundaries. Some things you got to keep. There's some things we need to name in our lives and things we need to keep. And so Moses put up these boundaries. And moms and dads, you know what? We're the Moses. If you're a mom, you're a dad, and you're in this room, you're the Moses of your family. You need to put up the boundaries. You don't cross it either. You put up a boundary. Your kids need to see you putting up some boundaries and living on the inside of the boundaries. If you don't put up the boundary, who's going to put up the boundary? The school? Your neighbors down the street? Hollywood? The TV? Because I tell you, Hollywood don't have any boundaries. Television doesn't have any boundaries. And from the school system, from what I can see, for the most part, they don't have any boundaries. It's up to mom and dad. God gave you those children to raise. He said, you be the Moses of your home. You set the boundaries. You name it and you keep it. Amen. Kids may not like me. They may not like me if I set these boundaries and I ask questions like, is there going to be drinking at the party? Yes, you can't go. Uh, and then they don't like you. And they run in the room and they cry and stand the door and they hate you. Whatever they say, I don't know. <clears throat> Y'all know what I'm talking about. Can I go here? Can I go there? Can I go to the beach with all my friends on spring break? Uh, where are you going? Panama City. No. 
But the church is going, no. No, you're not going. You're not going. Sorry, I'm going to name it and I'm going to keep it. See, parents, there's this word called no. You need to use it a lot more often. No. Can I? No. But dad, they're doing it. They're doing it. Can I do it? No. You can't. Remember these boundaries? We draw these lines. They may not like it and they may run away. Well, I thought about that. I thought about if, let's just say Mackenzie decided to run away. Well, she can't go far because that car she's driving is mine. (laughs) I told her it was hers, but the registration says Red Alexander. And she said, well, I'll just call somebody to come get me. No, on what? We don't have a landline, and that cell phone's mine, too. <laughs> Pack your bags, that suitcase, that's mine. So they won't, if you take care of them, they won't stay go, going long. They'll come on back. The kids may not like it, but I can tell you when they'll like it. When the trumpet sounds, they'll like it. They'll say, thank you, Dad, thank you, Mom, for drawing these lines and drawing these boundaries for me. Thank you so much. That's when they'll like it. See, I'm not called to be their friend. I'm called to be their dad. You're called to be their mom and dad. You can be friends second. You mom and dad first. Uh, um... I asked, asked my daughter, and she, uh, she's 19, she's sitting right here, she loves when I point her out and call her out like that, but I asked her, uh, we've had a conversation a few times, but I just recently asked her, just this week, because these things are stirring, and I said, um, what, uh, what are you, what, what, when, you, when you're like sizing up a boy? looking at him, thinking about going on a date or thinking about getting in a relationship. What is it that you're looking for? What are you looking for? What, what kind of man would you like to have? And she said, well, I find myself comparing everybody to you. Even, even the little things, like even if they ride dirt bikes. So they may not like the standards, they may not like the line, they may not like the rules. But for, you got to just decide, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And me and my house, we're going to draw the boundaries. And they may not like it now. They might not say, these rules, I don't get it because everybody else is doing it, why can't I do it? But then they turn around, they're looking, they're looking for a wife just like mom. One that has some boundaries, or they're looking for a husband just like dad, one that has some boundaries. I tell Mackenzie, I say, Come here and feel my hand. And she feels my hand. And I said, Now feel your hand. So she rubs her hands. I said, You feel a difference? She goes, Yes, yours are very rough and mine are very smooth. And I said, If a boy tries to hold your hand and it feels like your hand, break up. <laughs> I said, What you're looking for is this. But there's good men that work in offices that have soft hands. You know what I'm saying. Um, I got up this morning and I, 
I went to Lowe's and I bought some caution tape. And I was thinking about how, you know, we have to set up some boundaries in our lives and um, for our own selves, our own lives as parents and as for your children as well. So we set up these boundaries and um, something like this. And these boundaries based off the Word of God, and this is what I believe in, and this is, this is how far you can go, but you, you can't go any farther. You understand what I'm saying? You can't cross that boundary. That's what Moses said. He said, you can't cross this boundary because the trumpet's going to sound, and if you're on the wrong side of that line, you're going to die. But many times, the kids say, well, Dad, can we go to such and such? No. Can't go. Why? Because I heard there's going to be some drinking or some partying or different things going on, and I just don't think you should go to that. Yeah, but so-and-so's parents down the street, they go to church. His dad even teaches Sunday school. And they're going to go, and their kids are going to go, and they don't care, and they're going to watch all this filth, and they're going to do different things. And see, the family down the street, they've got their own line that they've drawn. And uh, I didn't leave enough slack on that. But the family down the street's got their own line that they've drawn. See, they're going to go a little bit further than you. They're going to compromise. See, the Word of God's here, but they've made a compromise because what I really want to do is over there. I want to watch that movie. I want to drink this, smoke that, partake of that. I want a little bit of the world. So this family says, well, we're going to, for the most part, we're going to live on this line by the Word of the God, these principles... But this one time, this one weekend, I'm going to let you come over here to this. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? When the kids say, well, everybody else is doing it. You can't pick up your line and move it over here just because theirs is over here. You've got to keep it right here. You can't compromise. See, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. What happens is that line keeps moving farther and farther and farther, and then you're so far away from where it originally was... You've got to have standards. And the way the world is today, dating young girls, you need to carry this with you. You go out on a date. <laughs> when you go out on a date, you need to wrap this around you. You need to wrap up in this line right here, carry your boundaries with you. And you know what? You said... When the dude tries to put his hand on your leg, you say, hold up, there's a line right here, you can't cross it. This is a no trespassing zone. When he tries to reach around there and grab you on the buns, ho, no trespassing. Is that too real for you? Well, it is real. You can't leave this at home. You can't wait till you're in the back seat of a car and y'all are back there talking in tongues and then say, you know what? I, I need my... I need to draw a line somewhere. You got to draw the line before you get in the back seat. You can't wait till you're three sheets in the wind and say, I should have drew a line. Where's my caution tape? They won't hate you when the trumpet sounds. 
got to have some personal values. And, Mo, I could go on a list for a mile on. <clears throat> but let's just, let's just do this one out here. Let's just use drinking. That's an easy one. Personal values. <clears throat> some people, well, if I drink a little bit, is it that big of a deal? If I just drink a little, if I don't get drunk, if I just drink some, well, the whole bottle will get you drunk. We know that. If you drink the bottle, you're going to get drunk. So if you just drink a little of the bottle, you're flirting. You're flirting, right? Yes, yeah, what you're doing. You're flirting. So let, let I don't do this often, but just for funsies, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick my grandma right here. Grandma, you, when you were married to Papa before he went to heaven, um, if you walked into the room, to the shop or somewhere, and he was in there flirting with another woman, if he was flirting with her, now he didn't touch her, they didn't go get the hotel room together, nothing like that, but he was just doing some hardcore flirting, what would your response be? How would you feel? I would just knock his block off. <laughs> She would knock his block off because he was flirting. They didn't go get a hotel. He was just flirting. But he was flirting with the idea of it. She's going to knock his block off. So you can say drinking. Where's the line? I start to get a buzz and I get the numb between the eyes feeling. My head gets hot. Yeah, I've had all those feelings. But Where's the line? Just one sip, two sips, three sips, four sips. Where's the line? You're flirting with it. No sips. That's the best thing. No sips. The world needs to see a difference in you and them. The difference is no sips. That's what the world needs to see. That's my line. I can't cross it just because everybody else is crossing it. He says to be sober-minded. You can't be sober-minded with a couple of shots. But regardless of that, the world needs to see a difference. You've got to draw the line. One of the biggest regrets I have as a parent, I'm telling you the biggest regrets I have as a parent, somebody wanted a bottle of wine from the Apple Barn in Gatlinburg, right? And this has been, I don't know how many years ago, several years ago, before I was a pastor, but I was preaching. I was in ministry. Should I buy this one, this one, or this one? Well, they have little samples. Little, you can taste it. And I tasted a few of them. And I said, that one's the best. We bought that one. And I told my daughter the other day, <clears throat> I said, I am absolutely, I, I hate that I did that. I am so sorry that I did that. I'll never do that again. That one little, two little sips, I wish I could rewind that bad boy back and take it back and have never done it. And I'll never buy anybody a bottle of wine for a gift. I don't care who it is, how much you offer me. I won't do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. I shouldn't have done it. You know why? Dad took a sip. So now the kids are at a party. Just take a sip, dude. Just take a sip. I don't want my kids to take a sip because a sip will turn to two to three to four to DUI to getting in the car wreck and getting killed. But they saw Dad take a sip. Dad stepped across that line, took a sip, then he stepped back over. Sweet by the sip and bitter by the bottle. Mom, Dad, can we watch this movie? Um, What's the rating? It's rated R. 
It's rated R. No, you, you can't watch that. Wow, all the other kids are watching it. All my friends at school, they're coming over. Their parents let them watch it. All right, all right. I'm going to let y'all watch it. Go ahead. I'm going to make y'all some brownies, your favorite brownies. Make y'all some brownies. You eat some brownies, watch your favorite movie. Okay? And they got a little chihuahua. Mom goes in there and sweeps up a couple chihuahua nuggets. Puts in the brownie mix. What are you doing, Mom? Oh, it's just a couple little nuggets. The movie's just got a couple cuss words you probably won't even notice. Just a couple little chihuahua nuggets in the brownies you probably won't even notice. Would you eat the brownies? You see where I'm going with this? It's not just a couple little cuss words. It's not. You've got to stand for something. You've got to say, I'm drawing the line. I can't watch that. Hey, I don't care. I, you know how many movies I miss out on? All of them. I tried to watch one a couple days ago. It was called The Reverend. I read it. Strong language. Nope, can't watch it. I don't know what it's about. I'll never know what it's about. I made it this far without knowing. I'll make it the rest of the way without knowing. Because if I would have sat down with my kids and watched it, I would have had to have crossed the line. That's like carrying the cross. I'm going to carry the cross. But I can't carry it into this movie. I'll just lay it down right here and run over here and partake of the world. And I'm going to come back over here and pick the cross up and carry it. The cross don't cross the line. If you're going to cross the line, you've got to leave it on the other side. We've got to have traditional values. That's personal values. There's traditional values as well. When you read the, the Scripture and it plainly talks about things uh, like homosexuality. It plainly talks about it. But don't talk about it in church because you're going to offend somebody. If the Word of God offends you, that's your problem. That's not my problem. I don't make stuff up. I just preach directly out of the Word of God. But we've backed away from traditional values because we don't want to offend anybody. Divorce. We don't want to talk about divorce because most all Christians, like 50, 60, 70%, the statistics are crazy high. Crazy high. We don't want to talk about that because that will offend somebody as well. God says what, what He's put together, let no man separate. And I understand it's not all black and white. I get it. Sometimes you have no choice. Somebody divorces you and leaves you. What are you going to do? Handcuff them and make them stay? I get it. Sometimes you make a mistake earlier in life. You know now you shouldn't have did what you did. I get it. There's this thing called mercy. This thing called grace. But I'm talking about those who are currently married. You need a line. You need to have a line drawn. In other words, if me and Jackie don't see eye to eye or get along, and we do get along, we don't fuss, we don't fight. But let's just say we do have a disagreement and we fuss and fight. This is the divorce line right here. Now, we may fuss and fight or disagree or get all the way up to here, but we're not crossing it. We're not going to go across the line. This is where we draw the line. Divorce is not even an option. It is not even an option because I've drawn the line. We're going to make up. We're going to make things right. I'm not stepping over this line. We're not going to get a divorce. Jackie says she has never considered divorce. She has considered murder two or three times. <laughs> but you got, if you don't draw a line, you end up being married five, six, seven, eight, ten times. Be getting a divorce every time somebody does something you don't like or disagree. Let's just get a divorce. 
I was at a wedding last night. They said, till death do you part. You got to draw a line. I'm not dead. I'm sticking out for better or for worse. I'm going to stay right over on that side. Core values. That's who you really are when nobody's around. And when you're around by yourself and you step across the line, then who you really are gets compromised and it just gets easier and easier to step over the line, to step over the line. You keep moving the line, you keep moving the line, you keep moving the line, you keep moving the line. Now you're so far away from where you originally were, you don't even remember where the line was. Sin becomes trivial and it's no big deal. It's like sleeping around. One becomes two, then three, then four. By the time you get to 10 or 12, what the heck? It's just like shaking hands. You got to draw a line. You got to draw a line. It just gets easier and easier. Doing drugs, easier and easier. Sinning, doing different things, easier and easier. Heart gets harder and harder. I understand we're saved by grace. I understand it's not by works. But it is not legalism to draw some lines. You need some lines. It's not just go out and do what everybody else is doing. Amen? He says to build some barriers to guard your heart. In fact, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Guard your heart. Protect it. Be careful what you let in it. Don't let just anything out in it. Make America great again. Build the wall. Be careful what you let into your heart. You got to stay on that side of the line. When you step over the line, now you're letting different things into your heart and out of your heart. Guess what springs the issues of life? He says, guard your heart with all diligence to guard this thing, to be aware, to be sober, to be diligent. Pay attention. Don't let these things into your heart. And Satan is just on the other side of the line just enticing you to get you to cross the line. It's like I used to have a pit bull and this thing was on a chain. And... uh, and this cat would come and walk that dog's chain, just tempting him, tempting him, tempting him. And he wanted to get to that cat so bad, but he didn't have enough slack. That's what Satan does. But one day, this is terrible. One of my buddies came over there and he grabbed that cat and he threw it in there. And the dog caught it in the air like an outfield, pick, like, a, like a baseball in the outfield. Yeah, that's terrible, isn't it? I didn't do it. I just watched it. I was there. But I'm talking about that's what Satan does. He just walks your chain and you want to get to it so bad. Cross the line, cross the line, cross the line. Y'all with me? Y'all know what I'm talking about. It can't be just that anything goes. Every parent has to be the Moses of their house. And you have a barrier for them, but what about a barrier for you? They need to see you having some barriers. They need to see you having some lines that you say no to and that you don't cross. You can't tell them not to drink if you drink. Don't smoke. Man, these cigarettes are bad for you. They'll kill you, give you lungs. Don't you do it. Drinking beer, tore up. Don't be drinking beer. Ain't nobody, the kids don't respect you. They have to see you living it. You have to see you say don't stand on this side of the line. Y'all, 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 y'all wake up. Do you follow me? Y'all with me? We got to learn to say no. And what I mean by that is, is it against God's word? Is it against God's word? 
Because these barriers that I'm speaking of will keep marriages together. They'll keep family together. And when you've been delivered from it, he says, the Bible says that you're no longer slaves of sin. That means he came up to the prison door. He opened the gate. You came out. You're a free man, a free woman. He went in. He took your place on the cross. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're now a slave to righteousness. You're a free man. No more, nothing else to be paid. I paid it all for you. Come on out and be free. What happens is we get into, even though we've been forgiven of our sins, we want to cross the line and cross the line and cross the line. It's like a dog returning to his vomit is what the Bible says. You're not supposed to be like a dog returning to to the vomit. Don't return back to the prison cell. There's a creed song that's very popular back in about, I don't know, 2000. 99 or 2000. He says, I've created my own prison. That's what you do. You've been freed from the prison of sin because Jesus died for you. But now we're, 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 step, we're, we're trying to get yourself back into prison. You've created your own prison by continually living in sin. And there's the. Okay, when you say the word living in sin, immediately the church has said living in sin is when a man and woman live in the same home and they're not married, that's living in sin. No, that's not. Sure, that is sin. But there's a whole lot of living in sins. When you lying, stealing, drinking, not tithing, not being generous, being greedy, over and over and over, you choose to live that life, that's living in sin. But you've been freed from that sin. He lets you out of the prison. Why do you want to be like a dog returning to its vomit? And Trump, he uh, he's trying to build a wall. How hard is it to build this wall right now? Extremely hard. Extremely hard. Because of where we're at. Let's just say we could put it in reverse and back on up about 100 years. Back on up. It'd been a lot easier to build that wall than it is today. What I'm saying is you, you need to draw some lines, some barriers now. Don't wait. The longer you wait, the harder it is. The longer you let your kids run wild, and the longer you let your kids see you do wrong and see you crossing the line, the harder it is to, it's going to be to reel them back in to get them back on this side of the line. And if you're living that life in front of your kids, you need to repent. You need to, you need to go tell them, hey, mom, uh, dad was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I want better for you. I want you to make better judgment, better decisions than I did. And dad crossed this line. But that trumpet's going to sound one day, son. One day, young lady, this trumpet's going to sound. And as for me and my house, I want us to be serving the Lord on this side of the line. Praise Him, y'all come on up. And I'm going to close with this. There's a wicked king named Manasseh. He was wicked. He reigned for 55 years. Wickedness. They weren't observing Passover. They had turned the temples into worshiping false gods and idols. Y'all with me? They had crossed the line for 55 years. 
Then Manasseh died and his son Amon took over. Same thing, living on this side of the line. They had lived this so long on this side of the line that they had forgotten about Moses. They had forgotten about his law. They weren't, they weren't even uh, observing Passover. The people said, you know, we're tired of this wickedness. Judah, it had just turned into pure wickedness. And they, they assassinated, they killed Ammon. Then Ammon's son, Josiah, was eight years old when he lost his father because his father was Ammon. His father was assassinated. He lost his daddy when he was eight years old. And many of people in here have lost your dad one way or the other. Maybe when you was a child, maybe he just ran off and left you. Or maybe he just wasn't a dad at all to you and it seemed like you lost him because he wasn't there. Wasn't, there wasn't no dad to call. Wasn't no dad to teach you anything. Some of you may feel like that. You know how he felt. He became the king when he was eight years old. He took Amon's spot when he was eight years old. When he was 19 years old, he sent the secretary down to the temple to do an audit to check on some things. And they, they found this thing in the temple. It was the law of Moses. They brought it back and they read it to him. Who's Moses? They've been living in the world and living evil. They've been on this side of the line so long. Who's Moses? What line? What are you talking about? Josiah read it. It says he fell on his face and he repented and he called for a national, the whole country to repent and come to know the Lord. And he turned those temples around, got all the false gods and false idols out of there and started worshiping God. So what I'm saying to you is, maybe you weren't raised that way. Maybe you had no lines, none. There were no barriers. It was just free for all, do what you want, drink, party, chase after worldly things, sleep with everything that's got two legs, whatever it is. You didn't have no raising, no standards, no morality in your life at all. Well, you can be just like Josiah. And he was 19 and he got a hold of this word from the Lord. And one word from the Lord changed his life. And you know what? He said, hold up. I'm fixing to draw this line. And this line's not just for me, but this line's for the whole nation. He said, you got to be just like Josiah for your family. You got to be just like Moses for your house and say, I'm drawing the line. Dad's staying on this side of the line. Mom's staying on this side of the line. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord on this side of the line. And when that trumpet sounds, we're going to be ready. There's lots of people that haven't had a good reason, just like Josiah. But it can start today. You can say, I've lived my life and I haven't had any boundaries. I haven't had any lines. Well, you know what? You can draw one today. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 